Hi, it's Amy Newmark with three of my favorite episodes for you this Christmas week. These stories are going to inspire you as we head into New Year's, and they'll give you some ideas for New Year's resolutions that will actually work. Changing your life one story at a time. This is the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast with Editor-in-Chief Amy Newmark. Hey, it's Amy Newmark with your Chicken Soup for the Soul inspiration. It's Friend Friday, and today I'm pleased to introduce you to James Scott Bell, the well-known novelist who also has several books to help writers become better at their craft. Jim, welcome to the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast. Thank you. It's great to be with you today. Yeah, I'm thrilled to have you on. So I know we have a lot of writers who are listening, so I'm just going to tell them a little story about why I like you so much. Years ago, years ago, you wrote a story for um, one of our books, and you used the word presently, and you used it correctly. You talked about Norman Vincent Peale, and then you said, presently, Dr. Peale marched out with a smile. And you were using presently the correct way, which is meaning in the very near future. And I was so thrilled to see that because presently is one of my favorite words that has fallen into a pattern of being used wrong as an equivalent to currently. And so I've never forgotten you for using the word presently correctly. Well, that's really great to know because like you, I've always loved that word. Uh, It is kind of an old fashioned word used frequently in books. You know, from you know decades ago, but it's just it's a very useful word, and uh, I'm flattered that you picked up on that. Well, you know what's interesting is that you are one of those lawyers turned best-selling author, and as a lawyer, you probably care about the precise use of words. And I had a lawyer one time when I was on the board of a company and I was selling some stock, and she wanted me to sign a form saying that I presently did not have any inside information. And I wrote back to her and I said, I can't sign a form saying that in the near future, presently, I will not have inside information. I can sign a form saying that I currently do not have inside information. And she just didn't get it at all. But I think you get well, it. Good, yeah, good for you. That, that, you would have been a good lawyer yourself. That's now, what my husband says. Law, yeah, yeah. When I was in law school, I really got into the art of written advocacy, and there was a great old book called uh, Advocacy and the King's English, and it was written probably in the 40s, maybe the 50s, uh, but it was all about the proper use of language, the precise use of language as a means both of persuasion and of being clear, which, of course, lawyers have to do. So it's great to hear that story about you setting a lawyer straight. Yeah, I don't think she appreciated it much, though, and she really didn't get it, but I wasn't signing that form. So I love the fact that you are a lawyer turned author, and I wanted to give everybody a little sense of your background. You went to University of California, Santa Barbara, which is one of my favorite cities, and you studied, you studied writing with Raymond Carver, which must have been quite a thrill. And then you went to USC Law School, and you've written over 300 articles and several books for the legal profession. And you actually taught novel writing at Pepperdine. And you have a lot of stories, short stories published. You've written a lot of novels. 
You are a fiction columnist for Writer's Digest, and you also are a fabulous treasure trove of information for aspiring writers because you have so many books about plot and structure and revision and self-editing and the art of war for writers and et cetera. And so I'm just fascinated by it. I know you also have an online interactive program that will help our listeners write their novels step by step. So I want to go over all of that today because you are one busy guy. Well, it's a craft uh, that I love. I love doing it as a novelist, as a writer, and I also just love teaching. Um, I teach a lot of workshops and go to conferences and so on, and I enjoy meeting with other writers and helping them to learn things that have helped me, and it's always a pleasure to do that. I first got to know you because of this story you wrote for our Chicken Soup for the Soul Think Positive book, which um, we made your story number one in the book, which I don't know if you know, but that's like the place of honor in our books, being the first story. Well, I, I, I was very honored by that. And uh, uh, Deborah Norville did the introduction and mentioned the, the story as well. I, I was very flattered by that. Well, we were so happy to have you in the book. And it turned out that that book has been our best-selling book for the last 10 years, the entire time that I have been publisher of Chicken Soup for the Soul. That is our biggest book and your number, the first story in our biggest book. And I loved your story because it was about how meeting Norman Vincent Peale changed your life and set you on the path of using your positive thinking. It's true. It was... Um... You know, at a time in my life, between the time when I graduated college and then later went to law school, in between there, I was acting. I was uh, living in New York and in Hollywood and going back and forth and trying to, you know, get my acting going and acting on stage primarily. And um, when I first moved to New York, uh, it was kind of a time of big transition and so on. And I had come across Dr. Peel's most famous book, The Power of Positive Thinking, when I was living in Hollywood and feeling kind of depressed about my prospects and so on. And that book really just lifted me up. And then when I moved to New York, I discovered that he was still preaching at uh, the Marble Collegiate Church on Fifth Avenue. He was 82 years old. And I went to, to hear him preach, and he was just fantastic preacher, his voice and his his energy. And uh, I got to meet him afterward, and he was um, just an amazing man, a, a real uh, living embodiment of his philosophy. I know in your story, you said that he had the energy and enthusiasm of a man half his age. And when he spoke, he looked you right in that right in the eye. And I oh, guess, yeah. yeah, I guess you just never lost that power that he gave you. Yeah, I mean, he came out of his office, uh, you know, uh, given permission to go down and, and, and perhaps meet him. And he came out and he just, he just shook my hand and pumped it and looked me in the eye. It was just tremendous. And he, I really felt in that, that you know, those few moments that we got to talk that he, he just was considering me like the most important person in the world to him at that point. And I just never forgot that. And I've always tried since then in my personal interactions to be the same way, look people in the eye to really listen to them and uh, try to get to know them. Yeah, it really works. I think that's why Bill Clinton was so popular with people. I met him one time and when he looks at you, 
and he talks to you, you feel like you're the only person in the world while he's talking to you. And that's why people like talking to him so much. That's really what charisma is all about, is paying attention exactly. to the person. Yeah, yeah exactly. You, you can sense that with people um, who, who, who do that. There is a that, that's probably one of the big secrets to charisma. It's not trying to put on a veneer. It's like really focusing in on that person right in front of you. Yeah. And now you said that at the time that you met him, your wife was going through some issues with her real estate business and maybe not getting a commission she was supposed to get. And then you were in an excruciating wait to hear from your agent about a book deal. And then what happened after you met Norman Vincent Peale? Well, the timing was really a little slightly different. I mean, I had met him. I had gone you know, to New York and um, I, I heard him preach and did all of that. Uh, then Later, I met my wife to be, and then I was then I went to law school and we started raising a family. And then we went through this time when she was facing um, a real serious issue in her real estate work, and I was at kind of a crossroads in my writing life. And one day we were just sort of sitting together in the um, family room, kind of commiserating. And I looked at her, I said, "You know what? We've got to be more Norman Vincent Peelish," and of course, she. Uh, I had told her all about meeting him, and we had read his books together. And so, we we just said, you know, we've got to go back to remembering what he what he taught, and having faith, and really feeling that sense of we can get through this. And that helped us through this time together. And then, uh, as as weeks and uh, months went on those two situations that we had been troubled over resolved themselves in, in a very good way. And, you know, it just it, it, amazing, that amazing power of faith and, and positive thinking that he taught really got us through that time. Yeah, you said that her business ended up working out and you got a multi-book contract. So that's fabulous. I yeah, I, I did. And it was, um, it was just a wonderful, it was, the timing was, was perfect and everything um everything worked out and what what i just remember that that booming voice of norman vincent peel you know saying words like invulnerability and undefeatable i mean it was just a, a wonderful experience to have heard him say those things and it's really true you know we we are in this life and life is relentless but we can meet it with this uh, with this attitude of faith that he he taught for so many years. So let's talk about your books because you have been a best-selling author. You are an award-winning author of thrillers. You're the number one Amazon best-selling thriller author. What's your latest book? I uh, I'm doing a, a thriller series featuring a character named Mike Romeo who is sort of a lone wolf living in Los Angeles. The third book is out. It's called uh, Romeo's Hammer. Is, the first one is Romeo's Rules. I wanted to write a book about uh, a man who is really searching for justice, but also for his place in the world. And one of the things I wanted to incorporate in the character is a love of philosophy. Because when I was in college, I almost became a philosophy major until I, I realized that the prospects of um, making a good living were probably not as high for the philosopher as they were maybe for other professions. But in any event, I've always loved thinking about these 
deeper issues. And so I've incorporated that into the character as well. Well, that's cool. Now, I want to hear about this online course that you have that helps people write their novels, because I know that a lot of the people who listen to this podcast are aspiring novelists or novelists who have already been published, but we're, are continuing to work on their craft. So how does this online course work? Okay. Well, there, if uh, people go to jamesscottbell.com, then I have really two things that I, I offer to writers. One is a video course that really takes all of the teaching I've done over the years and condenses it into a, an online video-based course on the basics of of great writing and storytelling and all of the techniques that I've learned that have helped me. And then there's another course that we offer. It's called Knockout Fiction, and it it's through a, a website called Hive Word, and it's all there on my website to find out what the what the interactive course is is a series of prompts that I give to help writers who it really at any stage of the process to kind of give feedback to, to themselves and they can, they can enter the text in answering to the, in answer to the prompts. And as they go through it, they'll be building up this nice notebook of information and material for their book and they can save that and print it out and so on. So it's really sort of like having me as a writing coach. That is fabulous, Jim. It was really great having you on today. Very, very inspirational. So thank you. Now you tried a lot of careers before you figured out what you wanted to do. On Monday, on my next episode, I'm going to be sharing some stories on a related subject, chucking it all and starting over, new homes, new jobs, and new happiness. For everyone who's listening, if you want to learn more about Chicken Soup for the Soul, Think Positive, the book that James Scott Bell Stories was featured in, please visit our website, chickensoup.com, and click on Podcasts, and go to jamesscottbell.com to learn more about all of Jim's books. Uh, Thanks for joining us today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold.